Shalom, shalom, shalom. My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, um, the only positive podcast on the state of Israel. Hey, what's up? How's it going, guys? Welcome to episode 14. I've got, um, for those of you who watch the video uh, version i've got a brand new microphone and also for those of you who watch the video version um it has come across to me to let you guys know um to please if you're watching this on youtube hit the subscribe button become a part of the 12 cities in israel community um and this is episode 14 so i have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about but before we get into that before we broach the subject um I need to, uh, and would like to, give a couple of shout-outs to my sponsors. My first one is iConnect. iConnect, engagement with Israel that earns you rewards. Earn points and connect with Israel with articles, games, quizzes, polls, and more. So, what exactly is iConnect? Well, iConnect is a social gaming platform where you can play, earn points, and receive cool prizes all for free. Their goal is to help you stay connected with Israel no matter where on the globe you are. Now, why should you play? Because iConnect introduces you to a unique way to acquaint yourself with all things Israel while working towards winning once-in-a-lifetime experiences. So head on over to www.iconnect.co.il. That's www.iconnect.co.il and start playing now. Before we move on, our next one is from our friends at Israel Phones. And Israel Phones is the leading provider of communication devices for people traveling to Israel. Israel Phones offers SIM cards, MiFi devices, which are mobile Wi-Fi hotspots, travel products, and serves the connectivity needs of tour groups, synagogues, schools, community missions, study programs, and individuals. Supplying you with international prepaid SIM card cell phones and USB portable modem hotspot rentals. Right now, because of watching this show, 12 Cities in Israel, Israel Phones will give you a free SIM card, which is a $15 value, um, which is a $15 value if you spend $30 or more on their site. All you have to do to get this deal is to use the coupon code 12 cities in israel that's the number one two cities in israel all one word no spaces when checking out on your next order for more information on what israel phones can do for you and to get this great deal please 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 visit www.israelphones.com that is www.israelphones.com they're great over there the people at iConnect are great as well uh check both of them out um, all right, so this episode, episode 14, is going to be, I I don't know if it's going to, controversial might not be the right word, um, but, 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 um, okay, so originally this episode, I had broken it down into two parts, and the first part was going to be on 
the Shook. For those of you who don't know what the Shook is, the Shook is a, it's an open air market. Um, and let me give you a little bit of history. So Shooks have been, Shooks are open air markets that exist in the Middle East, uh, North Africa, and basically Western Asia. So we're talking all the way up to, into Turkey. Um, some could even argue that there are shooks in, in uh, uh, because there are. There are open-air markets in Italy. There are open-air markets in Greece. But um, primarily the shook, as it's known today, is in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, so I was going to tell you guys about that. There are a number of them, and I will tell you about them. Um, and then what I think I'll do, that's what I'll do. I'll tell you about the Shook. I'll tell you what's so great about the Shook, what's so cool about the Shook, and all the information that I found. And then we will delve into the controversial aspect of it. Um, so I always say that this is a positive podcast at the beginning. But what's important about keeping things positive is objectivity. And to be objective you need all the information, all the facts, everything. So I'm going to give it all to you as objectively as I can. Um, I, I consider myself to be relatively objective. So before we get into that, let's talk about the show. Now, there are a couple of shows. For the, anyone who's ever been to Israel, and I, if you mention the word shook, their eyes light up. Because it is basically a cornucopia. Now, shook comes from the uh, Aramaic... And it was, if I read this right, I think it's it was acquired by the Assyrian. No, it was acquired, Aramaic acquired it from Assyriac, which was Assyrian? I think it's Assyriac. Um, and then it, over time, uh, developed into use in Hebrew, Arabic, um, a couple of other different languages. There was one of the things that they said is in Morocco, it's called Soko, which is a Spanish-ized version, which I, I find that pretty interesting. Um, that's kind of neat. Um, and that has to do with uh, the, the expulsion of the Muslims uh, from Spain um, during, or the fall of the... Uh, the fall of the Muslim component of the empire that existed in Spain, um, and it, it it fled down to, into Morocco or existed in Morocco. I don't know the actual history. I know some of it, um, so I I'm doing a real good job of sounding sounding like an intellectual ass right here. But uh, uh, essentially, the uh, the words a widespread. Uh, it, it's used in, in in a lot of different places, and it's all meant to uh, cover the same thing, which is an open-air market. Um, in Persian, actually, I didn't know this. I found this out in my, uh, in my what do you call it, uh, research. Bazaar is, is the Persian equivalent of shuk or suk in uh, Arabic. Um, so that's pretty neat. So there, if, if you ask anyone who's ever been to Israel about the Shuk, they know exactly what you're talking about. They'll tell you about the Shuk. 
They'll tell you how cool it is. They'll tell you about all the things that you can do. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the same thing. For those of you who don't know what it is, um, I'm going to tell you what the Shook is. Okay, so there are a couple of them. They're usually in major cities. Um, Jerusalem has an incredibly famous one, Machana Yehuda, which is the 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 large market. Um, what is it? West of the old city, and in this market, you can get anything. You can get vegetables. You can get meat. You can get uh, a full meal. You can get all kinds of stuff. Um, you can get knickknacks. So the nick. So it's funny because the shooks throughout the country are 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 radically different from each other. Um, but they're all but they're yet similar at the same time. So what's neat about that is Machane Yehuda in Jerusalem is very tight and very narrow. And it's almost cavern-like. It almost feels underground. Um, but when you go to the Shuk in Tel Aviv, in the Carmel Market, um, which is the name of the Shuk in Tel Aviv, uh, it's tight, but it's tight from the people. It, there's a lot more space. It's a lot more open. Um, and then when you go down to... You go down to Bersheva and you go to the uh, the the open air market there, the shuk there. Um, it's an entirely different feel altogether. Uh, it's it's a little bit more wide open. It's a little bit more. You have a lot more shoulder room, um, but there's more room down in Bersheva. Um, but there's still that same sensation, that same exotic feel and this is this is my you know what do you call it uh my uh, you know when 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 someone hasn't been out enough uh but i i i i like to think of myself as someone who's been out in the world i am somewhat worldly i'm not as worldly as some um but i do have uh some legs that have gotten me to quite a number of different places on quite, quite a number of different continents. But still, there is a reveling in the exoticness of it. You, you, you feel something in a shook that you don't feel anywhere else. Um, a gro- it's funny, too, because when I say shook, the first thing I think of is actually not Machana Yehuda. It's this grocery store in Beresheva called... Um, Maksani Hashuk, which is, it's, it's a play on the Shuk word. It's a grocery store. It's a supermarket. Um, but Maksani Hashuk feels like a supermarket that you could find anywhere. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, all the labels are in Hebrew. But still, feels the same. But an open-air market in New York City is nothing like an open-air market in Jerusalem or in Tel Aviv or in Beersheba. And on top of that, all of those markets are different. You know you're in um, the Carmel Market. You know you're not in Mahane Yehuda. And when you're in Mahane Yehuda, you know you're not in Beersheba. Um, so one of the interesting things about Mahane Yehuda is that it... So you... And, and 
this is something that is specific to these types of markets. So there are different temporal, there are different um, times for different things in the shook. So first thing in the morning, uh, that's when a lot of the shoppers come for food and stuff like that. And then uh, later in the afternoon, then you have people coming uh, in, especially in, in uh, Machana Yehuda, there are a lot of restaurants. There's a whole section of it that's all restaurants. They have this one place called uh, Beer Bazaar, I think it is, and it's amazing. Um, but it's inside Machana Yehuda, and there are also a number of restaurants inside this shuk. Now, and it's funny because it drove my wife nuts when we went when we went there. Um, I wanted to go there. I wanted to go to Beer Bazaar, but um, I guess when I had gotten there before, it hadn't changed over. It was dark, but we had gotten there so late that um, it had changed over. It changes over to like a nightclub scene. So the restaurants there, all of a sudden, they're d- 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 pumping, you know, like dance music and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's an entirely different crowd than about two or three hours before. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, depending on when you go, that dictates what type of of shook you're going to see. You, you, it's really kind of funny because the shook that you see on, when you go to Google and you type up Machana Yehuda and you look it up and you see all the pictures, um, you won't see that in the evening. You may not see that in the afternoon. They may have filmed that in the morning. Um, this is specifically, uh, visible when you go down to when you go all the way down to Bersheva and you go to their open air market their open air market by around three o'clock shuts down the uh all the food stalls disappear all the produce all the meat um and some of the shops over on because it's set up into do now this is also something I'm trying to cover a lot in a short time and uh, I'm not really doing an excellent job. Hold on. Let me take a sip of this. This microphone is very, very specific. If I get over here, you can't hear my voice. So you have to stay right in front of it. Um, it's going to be a learning curve. Yay! 12 cities in history. Um, so you go to the Shook and you go at different times, you're going to basically see a different place altogether now um and you have to understand that the shook is also broken up into different sections and the different sections dictate what exactly you're going to find so when you come off the main street and go into carmel market in tel aviv it's a very touristy section you're going to find knickknacks. You're going to find artists. You're going to find, you know, like uh, Judaica. For those of you who don't know what Judaica is, um, that is like uh, menorahs for home. Um, Hanukkah, which uh, ironically a lot of people call Hanukkahs 
menorahs. They're not. Um, it's different number of arms. Um, so you're going to find stuff like that. You're going to find more chamsas, the hand thing, than you can shake a stick at in all different colors and all different, you know, flavors. So um, you're also going to find the... <laughs> You're going to find the obligatory t-shirt shop. Um, For some reason, uh, Israelis are obsessed with selling t-shirts. And it would would make sense if if the t-shirts made sense. But some of the t-shirts are really just ridiculous. Um, I have no examples. But uh, some of them are crude, too. And I can't mention them on this show. But... um, You'll find the, and they're all pressed right there in front of you. So they'll have all these t-shirt designs on a wall and you pick it and they ask you what size and they pull out the thing right there and they press the shirt for you. We got our son is, as I say, obligatory. Um, I love, I heart Tel Aviv t-shirt in the show. So um, Machana Yehuda has that as well, but you don't see it as much all of that stuff which is and this is this is interesting because so carmel market in tel aviv has all of the touristy tchotchkes right there as soon as you walk into the shuk okay before you get to the food before you get to any of it right there as soon as you get into the shuk um Machana Yehuda has, it's interesting, uh, not as much of it, a little bit higher end. Um, there are some jewelry stores actually in the Shuk in, uh, in Jerusalem. And, but all of the knickknacks and tchotchkes are in the old city. And arguably it can be said there is another Shuk right inside the Damascus gate in the Muslim quarter because as soon as you walk in, there are fruit stands, food places, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I personally don't know. That may be a shook. I don't know that it actually is. Um, But what's weird is the old city in itself, a large portion of it, is a big shook. Um, and I could be incorrect in calling it that, but to me, that's what it appears as. Um, the Beersheva shook is pretty great, though. And it's a lot more... Um, I don't want to say that... So the Jerusalem shook um, and in the old city, they are pushier in terms of trying to get the sale they want to get you but there are also a lot of foot traffic there's a lot of potential for people to buy things so they want to get you in and out boom you want this you want this no you don't okay how about you so there there there's a movement there's a flow to it um that for some shoppers you know some people want a window shop some people want to look around some people want to take their time um in the Carmel market, it's not like that. It's almost 
and it, <laughs> it's almost as if they're indifferent. You buy it, you don't buy it. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, um, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, but they also get, I mean, every time I've been there, it's been slam, slam packed. Um, now the Shook, and I think that's why I like the Shook in Bersheva because it's so chill. They take the time, no problem. What do you need? I can find that for you. And they have the best pillows, by the way. Um, and anyone who wants to know where those pillows are, I will look it up. I will get the name the next time I'm there. Um, but you will do heaven, absolute heaven. And I was upset that I had to leave them there when I came back. Um, but I brought my blanket back and my wife sits on the couch with it all the time. I, I was able to get bedding when I was there, but all right. So there you go. Um, you can get bedding, anything that you can get at the mall you can get at the Shook. Anything that you can buy at the grocery store, you can get at the Shook. Um, and you will get a good price for it. If, and only if, you are conscientious of how much a thing costs and how much it's worth to the seller, basically. So, um, Haggling is an art form and is a necessity at the Shook. You have to, it's funny because, and I don't know if this is uh, culturally incorrect, but uh, I, I grew up with, uh, we would take school class trips uh, to Chinatown and they would say, you always have to haggle. Um, the same thing goes for um, when you go to the Shook, you have to haggle because the individual is going to try to get hey, this is how much I spent on it. I want to get the most uh, profit. As I, I want to get the maximum amount of, amount of profit that I can. And uh, you, of course, as the buyer, do not want to pay as much as you possibly could have to. So um, haggling. And what's funny is this haggling that you're engaging in when you're in Machana Yehuda um, has been traditionally going on for thousands of years. How cool is that? So let's say you go to Mahana Yehuda and you say, I want to buy this t-shirt. How much is it? Well, it's X amount of shekels. Well, I only want to pay this amount of shekels. Okay. Um, I'll take it. Somebody else had that conversation 3000 years ago. Crazy. Blows my mind. Nuts. Um, so yeah, that's, that's bananas. I don't, I, I, I it's one of those kind of things where you go, holy cow, I can't believe that. Um, anyway, so, all right, so the Shook. Whoa, oh, wait a minute. So there's those. I haven't been to the Shook in, um, where do you call it? I haven't been to the Shook in Haifa. And I heard it's a great one. Um, but it's in a really weird place. It's like not in a place, from what I understand, it's not in a place that I would traditionally go. Now, I spent last episode talking about Haifa and where the three stops are. And one of them is the beach. The other one is Bakalim. The other one is uh, um, Haifa Merkaz, Hashmon, uh, Haifa Center. And apparently, and I didn't know this when I was there. So um, apparently, the Shuk in Haifa is near 
the main train station, Haifa Merkaz, Haifa Center, and it's not a far walk, but you're suckered into walking up that huge uh, mountain because of the Baha'i Gardens. I say suckered. It's awesome. It's totally worth it. Um, but next time I go up to Haifa, I'm going to go there, um, and I'll tell you guys about it. But I also want to mention, and most major cities have a shook of some sort. Um, and one of the interesting things is there is a, so a shook can be, it generally, according to the definition, it's, it's just gotta be an open air market. That's all. It's a centralized open air market. Um, because of that, there is another one that's in Beersheba that's spoken about that I have never seen. I I'm I'm I, I uh, I'm beating myself up over it. I wish I had seen it. I wish I had gone to it. It's supposed to be really cool, but the thing is, you have to get up at five six o'clock in the morning to go to it. Ugh. No thanks, man. That's crazy. I don't want to do that, but it's supposed to be amazing. So they have what's called the Bedouin market and it's near the open air shook. Um, and people literally come in from what I understand, people literally come in from the desert and sell their wares. Now I'm, it's not going to be top quality stuff. Um, because you're, you're not, they, they don't have the capital to go out and buy stuff. And I've been told that some of the stuff, the clothing is, it, there's a lot of clothing. Um, there is some food, there's, uh, there is cooked food. Um, but check this out. You could buy goats. You could buy livestock at this thing. So, if you're in Israel and you decide you want to buy a goat, uh, go, <laughs> go to Beersheba and they will sell you one at the Bedouin market. Um, all right. So let me take a sip of coffee real quick. We're at the halfway mark. Um, and I would like to uh, give a couple shout outs to two more of our sponsors. I sound subdued right now. Um and I, I should explain that. So uh, this, what I have to talk about is weighing a little bit on my head and it's dampening um, some of the joy that I have um, in talking about Israel right now. So, um, but, 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 let's do this. All right. Yeah. Say that right before you go into your ads, Michael. Really nice. Um, all right. So our first uh, message that I'd like to read is... From Neviot. Neviot, flavored water. Nature at its best taste. Neviot delivers you with a true combination of health and pleasure. Based on Neviot natural mineral water, one of its kind in Israel, it is enhanced with five B-group vitamins. It's naturally sweetened. It is low in calories, only 35 to 40 calories for eight fluid ounce, uh, eight fluid ounces. There are no preservatives, no color additives. It is available in delicious indulging flavors. I love that. Apple, peach, and grape. If you're in Israel, you should be drinking Neviot. 
For more information, check out their website at www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. That is www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. Now, if you would like to get this water, you can go to our next sponsor, and they are Makalet Online. Makalet Online's main goal is to make Israeli groceries and Judaic products affordable and available to everyone in the USA and Canada. Their online store carries items that are unavailable in most places in North America. Things like tahini, Israeli chocolates, frozen borekas, and the Neviat water that we are drinking here today. At Makolet Online, you will find your favorite Israeli goods or simply enjoy brand new flavors. All of their products are kosher and most are manufactured in uh, most are manufactured in Israel. If you want the taste of Israel delivered to your home, visit www.makoletonline.com and order today. For an added bonus, if you use the code 12 cities in Israel and ju- that's just like the other code, the number 12 cities in Israel. All one word, no spaces, you will receive 15% off of your entire purchase. So, again, Visit www.makoletonline.com. That's www.makoletonline.com in order today. And today, from Makolet Online, we have... What is this? Ooh, snack less, date, cranberry, and cashew bar. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Dude, who decided to put dates and cranberries and cat? All right. So this bar is basically full of everything that I love. Um, they are, they are so fun. Um, last week I had something from, uh, uh, the same company Snackless. It's a, uh, it's a company that tries to help you, um, manage what you eat so they offer healthy products one of them was a uh appetite suppressant gum that's made in the dead sea from hudia um so on the back it says from our fields in the desert between the red sea and the dead sea we bring you nature's hunger buster a combination of highly nutritious medjool dates select nuts and seeds tasty fruit and our own pure effective hudia parviflora plant try one daily for delicious diet control and snack less dude they are awesome and uh liam thank you liam from uh from macolet online thank you so much you guys are awesome um they are so great all right, I really appreciate what they do because they uh, they send us, they support us, and they give us that code, and they uh, give us a care package to come and bring on to the show to give you guys uh, some ideas on what you can get from them, and there's a ton of stuff. Oh, my gosh, their website's pretty great. Um, all right, so I got that done. And I got the shook done 
now, now I have to talk about something that ticks me off a little bit. All right. So, um, and there are a couple of levels of it. So as I was doing, let me give you a hit it in one sentence or two sentences, Michael. Right. Um, basically there is a, and it, I don't know if it's a, um, yeah, let's be honest. It is, um, an overt attempt to, uh, to erase, um, the Jewish aspect to some things. Um, so I was doing research on the shuk. I was doing research on, you know, what the etymology, the etymology being what the uh, history of the word is, how the word developed, where it came from, um, where the shuk traditionally came from. Um, and I started noticing that it, the Wikipedia page, because I looked in a couple of different places, um, but I was struck by the Wikipedia page. And the Wikipedia page mentioned, um, it. it's weird. So when you go to the Wikipedia page, and if it's a word that is in a different language, they usually phonetically sound it out. They give the phonetic spelling then they give the different languages that it might be in. And they showed it in Hebrew. Um, but then they didn't mention it again. And then all through the history of the Shuk, they talked about these Suks, which is the Arabic. Um, but the Shuk in Jerusalem is ancient. Um ironically and this is interesting this is actually kind of uh interesting and i didn't know this until i went down there the shuk in bersheva is really old the actual building itself um and the coverings are not old but the location where it is um in the old city it's been there for hundreds of years um and then the one in haifa and the one in Akko, which is north, they've been there for a long time. Um, but they weren't mentioned. The, the shooks in different Middle Eastern sooks, I'm sorry, um, if, if the ones in, in Arabic countries are sooks. Um, the ones in Arabic countries were mentioned, but the ones in Israel were, um, there was no even mention of any historical uh shooks within the confines of Israel. There was one that was mentioned in Jerusalem, one that I'd never heard of, but I think that might be one in East Jerusalem. Um and then um there was in a list of them Machane Yehuda Market was put in there. Um which I was like, you know, all right, what are you complaining about? It's there. But it is none of the, all right, so the importance of it. So if you were giving information 
to people outside of an area. Um, you would give them information that would be relative to their understanding of things. Um, and I think that mentioning, you know, the Carmel Market and Machana Yehuda within the confines of the article would have been important. Uh, but I think it was not seen as important enough to be in the article. It almost felt like it was more important to point out that a shuk is Arabic, um, which is, is not necessarily valid. Um, there are shuk, there are sukhs in Arabic countries, um, but the crossroads, what do they call it? The crossroads of civilization. Um, this is where the development of this model came from. It came from Turkey. It came from Syria. It came from the Levant, uh, you know, Jerusalem and Akko and Haifa and Egypt and the Ark across over all the way to Morocco. Uh, so that's important. I think omission of Israel in this larger story of the Shuk is um, purposeful. I think they did it on purpose. I think the writers of it were trying to elevate, perhaps not diminish the Jewish role, but definitely to elevate. And uh, this ties into a larger discussion that I'm, I'm so hesitant to bring up of, because uh, historical narrative is important. It's important for academic, academic honesty. So if you want to have facts, if you want to have information, if you want to be objective, as I always say, um, you have to rely on honest academic facts. And omission... Um, it's it, 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 it all right so on the outside it it's just hurt feelings big deal they didn't mention your israel okay and on its face you're right i i need to toughen up you know turtle back a little bit and just be have a stronger shell um but then let's look at it from an academic perspective and there is an omission of information and if you can omit information in this one area, then you have license to omit information everywhere. And it sounds trivial, but it's not. It's important. It's so important that it's the foundation of our academic research as a whole. You know what I mean? Honesty uh, in, of information. So... Oh, uh, that was a big, this microphone really reacts to my breath. <laughs> um, all right, so this all ties into a larger thing, which is this, um, and it's funny because to me, it's a silly thing, um, and but it will lead to an incredibly heated argument um, among uh, participants, and that is... So, one of the things is falafel, okay? So, in all of these shuks, 
you can get falafel, okay? And who would have known falafel was controversial? So the reason I bring this up is because there is a large push to acquire falafel and own falafel by individuals. And they're adamant, adamant, adamant. The falafel, yeah, I know. Everyone who's listening to this is going, oh, crap, where are you going? It's okay. Um, falafel was born, I will say this, in Arabic countries. No contest whatsoever. None whatsoever. But it is a Mizrahi and Sephardi staple food. Why is that? Because these individuals lived in these countries and um, the argument that it can't be is the argument that Chinese people living in the United States can't order pizza. You know what I mean? The argument that it can't be an Israeli food uh, uh, is the argument that, and this is great because I actually have history with this. Um, I used to go to a Mexican restaurant that was owned and operated by Chinese people in New York City. So um, there was not a Hispanic person in the entire building. We can't call that cultural appropriation. We call that business acumen. They are able to lock down a recipe, take care of it, adopt it, and use it. Um, why did they do it? One, because it was probably popular. Two, because they enjoyed eating it. Um, Jews living in specific places throughout uh, Syria, Egypt, Tunisia, um, all over, wherever falafelim were, falafel, the plural, um, were... These Jews ate falafel. These Jews ate hummus. These Jews ate pita. These Jews ate, um, what is it called? It's called meze, I think, which is Israeli salad. Um, so what's important, and the, the entire reason that I'm bringing it up is that this concept of cultural appropriation and cultural thievery is bullshit. I don't swear on my uh on my podcast, but that's all it is. It's garbage, it's balagan. Um it's so funny because it's the one thing that is universal food. We all love to eat. We all live to eat. Um I've seen so many discussions calm down over, uh, over food. Um, it is the it, peace negotiations between major countries are always almost always done with a meal included. Um, so this concept that what's mine is mine and you can't have it is garbage because 
it what do they say the largest um what is the biggest compliment is when you <laughs> when you steal someone else's work uh but uh, just the fact that they can find greatness in it the israelis can find greatness in it the fact that is, the israelis can maintain a shook that they didn't disintegrate it after the 1967 war after the ni- war in 1948 independence war um after all of that, that they didn't decide. And what's interesting is that could have happened. Realistically, that could have happened. So we have a group of people who decided to start this country, but that was Mapai. And Mapai were secular. They were uh, socialists. Some of them were even communists. Um, and they were all about... Um, just being what they were. So they could have taken all of the things, all of the historical flavor that existed in that place, and they could have just scrubbed it. But they didn't. Like the Soviet Union did. The Soviet Union did that. Um, when they would go into places, they would take, oh, cultural heritage? Yeah, that's nice. You're Soviet now. Um, you don't believe in anything except the state. But Mapai didn't do that. They did some other things, but they didn't do that. And uh, I, I just it, 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 it's such an inane argument, and it, it bothers me a lot. And I'm, I'm. It's hard to have a discussion about this by yourself. I've got some really great guests coming that I, that I, uh, that I will be having this conversation with. Um, but this concept of cultural appropriation really angers me. Really bothers me. There are things that, um, that people do. Like if all right, so if there was a a, a, a Jewish um, falafel stand in the old city, and he had the gumption to go and say, "I invented falafel, and falafel is a Jewish invention," um, and there's no way an Arab did that, um, I would say, you know, you're you're a knucklehead, you're a moron. But that's not what that's not what people are doing. People are saying, "We were in these places." We are in this place. This is a part of who we are. It's part of our long story. It's a part of our um, long, rich history. Uh, you have you have individuals who um, who live in Mexico, okay? Uh, who at some point married into or married with indigenous peoples and brought their indigenous and their Spanish, Spanish, um, cultural beliefs and, 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 and customs in together and merge them into what is now a rich Mexican culture. Um, it's upsetting that, that the Jews aren't allowed to do that. It's upsetting that Israelis aren't allowed to do that. It's upsetting that, I don't know, that's that's basically it. Um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because uh, I think we've added a lot, and I think there are. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Oh. Sorry, little technical mal- malfunction with this light I'm having over here. So. Um, 
I had to step away for a sec. Yeah, so that's that's all. It's just it's frustrating. It's maddening. Um, it's not a place I like to go into and talk about often. Uh, but it's it's a discussion that has to be had. Um, and it's not like there's really going to be a solution to it. Um, what it basically what I'm saying is that whenever somebody comes up and says, what are your favorite Israeli foods? I love falafel. That's not an Israeli food. That's an Arabic food. That's what I'm talking about. That's the argument that, that need to have that knee jerk reaction and pull it away from the Jewish state. Uh, and that's, it's, it's not something that's done anywhere else. Um, it's just a frustration. It's just something I live with. Um, so yeah, so I uh, I I thought that since I was talking about the shook that that would be an interesting place to take it into because um, the article that I was reading was um, missing information, important information, um, and I think you know it could just be that the individual who wrote it had never been to Israel, never knew anything about Israel. And, um, that could be, and, and I could hope for that, but I tend to doubt it because, uh, I, I've run across, I've run across things like this before and the, the need to pull, to be territorial about hummus and to be territorial about, um, falafel, uh, is, is, a little bit maddening. Yeah, there are bigger things to argue about, and if that's if that's the one, um, you're kind of a punk. You're kind of pathetic. Um, but I am giving you time by talking about it on this episode. Um, but all right, so uh, yeah, I uh, this one has a little bit of a funk to it. I'm sorry. Um, it's just it was a it's a rough topic. It's not a fun topic, it's but it's a topic that needs to be brought up. And it's also a topic that needs to be discussed with two people. <laughs> Holy cow. So um, I look forward to comments. I look forward to questions. Um, if you think that I am wrong, please hit me up. Talk to me. Um, try, to, uh, try to engage with me about this subject because it's a frustrating one and... Um, it's one that needs to be maybe explored a little bit more. All right. Um, that is pretty much it for this episode. Um, I am going to wind it down by telling you guys about a couple of, uh, couple of really great, really great programs, um, that I think that you guys should look into helping support. Um, the first one is Ale. Ale helps children with complex disabilities receive state-of-the-art medical, educational, and rehabilitative care in Ale's four facilities. In addition, Ale provides thousands of outpatient treatments annually. Without Ale, many of these children would be forced to spend their lives in hospitals with no opportunities for rehabilitation, education, and the love and warmth of a home. Please visit www.ale.org. That's www.aleh.org and see if there is a way that you can help. 
I'm actually speaking to someone from that organization. I spoke to someone yesterday. Uh, he gave me some, uh, some information about lining up a guest when I'm in Israel from that organization. I'm really excited, and the person is huge. So um, I'll give you more info when I have it. The next one that I'd like you to check out is Schneider Children's Medical Center of Israel. It is the only comprehensive tertiary care hospital of its kind in the country and in the Middle East, offering the full range of pediatric disciplines under one roof to all children from 0 to 18. Since its establishment in 1991, Schneider Children's has revolutionized the practice of pediatric medicine in the country and has been recognized as one of the leading pediatric institutions in the world. To see what you can do for them, please visit www.schneider.org.il forward slash ENG. That's www.schneider.org.il forward slash ENG. Yeah, so if you could go and help those, definitely, definitely do what you can to help out those two programs. Um, we, as I've told you before, I'm doing interviews. I'm going back to Israel in February. I'm actually going, when is it? The 10th through the 20th. And I will be there interviewing a bunch of really awesome people. Um, and what I'd like is if uh, maybe you could help. If you could give me, uh, if you could go to our webpage, hit the PayPal button and give me $2. Um, if 25,000 people give me $2, um, we'll have it in no time. And that money goes towards airfare, lodging, transportation, all kinds of stuff that we need in order to run this production, basically, in another country. Um, we have a, uh, we, for, for that, we have a target budget of around 12,000 to, or, 12,000, 12,000 to 15,000 bucks. Um, it's, it's in a really great place. It's at the C executive suites and it has to be in a really professional type of atmosphere for some of the, some of the guests that we're going to have on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's about 12 to $15,000. That's our budget for that. Plus on top of that, we also want to go back in the summer. I wanted to go back last summer, wasn't able to run, uh, raise the funds. I want to go back this coming summer, next summer, um, and film six of the episodes, the half hour travel episodes. And that's a total budget of $50,000. And that's for a crew of four to do all of it. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's totally worth it. And we love doing it, um, to bring it, to you so you can see why I love Israel. Um, warts and all, warts and all. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us for the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed and become a part of the 12 Cities in Israel community. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And we'll be bringing you a brand new podcast every week. So keep your eyes out for that. Also, to help support this podcast, you can visit our Patreon page and become a regular donor. You can find that page at www.patreon.com forward slash 12 cities in Israel. And that's the number one, two cities in Israel. 
Um, and again, please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Share us. Um, help us get those numbers up. And also, please visit our YouTube channel where you can see a video version of this podcast, plus other videos that we have produced, including our full-length travel episode on the city of Beersheba in southern Israel. While you're there, share it and subscribe. Check us out at our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com. On our Facebook page and on Instagram, where every day I post a brand new picture from all of our Israeli travels. Check it out. They're a lot of fun. I put videos up there goofing off. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, all right. That's it. Yalla, bye. ביום שני אני נבחן, ביום שלישי פעמיים כיתות. והחיים כה מתוקים, עם צליל בוזוקי ותוקים, אז מנגנים וגם שרים על אבא. יושב לבד שם בקווה, כותב עלייך שיר יפה.